For the Climate Discussion Nexus, I'm John Robson, and welcome to the latest readout video from our Wednesday Wake Up newsletter. And to some housekeeping. Starting with, we're delighted at all the views that our videos have had lately, and want to say, if you're watching but you're not already a YouTube subscriber, please do sign up so that you get notifications and they're less likely to deplatform us. And by the way, if they do, we're also on Rumble as ClimateDN. And we also want to ask you please to subscribe to our newsletter. You'll get more detail on the stories that we cover briefly in these readouts, and we'll be able to reach you by email if we need to tell you where to find us if we do get deplatformed, or if we want to pester you to donate to our channel. Now, back to our regularly scheduled programming, which again starts with a storm that just hammered Texas and much of the Northern Hemisphere, and which constituted a reality check for climate alarmism that it's failing badly. Because all the usual suspects are currently telling us they actually saw it coming, they just didn't tell us, and it's exactly what to expect from warming. Which is not how science is done. When people say that so-and-so is not a climate scientist, they generally mean they don't have a piece of paper saying they're a doctor of thinkology, or if they do have one, that it's not the right kind. Seriously, they even said it about Will Happer, a distinguished atmospheric physicist, they, rather comically in this case, being two people with arts degrees. But what not a climate scientist should mean is, this person doesn't apply the scientific method to climate. And the scientific method consists of making predictions and reacting appropriately if they fail. So, if the alarmists had responded to that storm by saying, look, we remain convinced that man-made warming is a long-term threat, but yes, you're right that it's unusually cold right now, and yes, you're right that it shows that climate change is more complex than we let on, that would be climate science. But when they jeer, yeah, told you so, about the opposite of what they actually predicted, they look silly and unscientific. John Kerry, for instance, said this winter storm, quote, is directly related to the warming, even though your instinct is to say, wait a minute, this is the new ice age. But it's not. It's coming from the global warming, and it threatens all the normal weather patterns, end quote. Now, oddly, no alarmists seem to complain that Kerry isn't a climate scientist just because his degree is in um, arts and then law. But in our view, it wouldn't matter if it was in philosophy. In fact, it might even help, because philosophers of science, and philosophers more generally, have understood for some time that theories, or what Thomas Kuhn famously called paradigms in a scientific context, are complex constructs whose interaction with evidence is complicated. In a famous formulation from the philosopher Willard Van Orman Quine, or at least I think it's a famous formulation, quote, the totality of our so-called knowledge or beliefs, from the most casual matters of geography and history to the profoundest laws of atomic physics, or even of pure mathematics and logic, impinges on experience only along the edges. The total field is so underdetermined by its boundary conditions, experience, that there is much latitude of choice as to what statements to reevaluate in the light of any single contrary experience." End quote. So, when predictions don't work out, there are a lot of ways of adjusting a theory to preserve it. And it's hard to know when there are too many patches on that particular pair of pants and you really ought to get a new one. But the process has to start by recognizing that a prediction failed. Or, in words often attributed to the science fiction writer Isaac Asimov, quote, the most exciting phrase to hear in science, the one that heralds new discoveries, is not Eureka, I found it, but that's funny. Since the alarmists refused to say that about the winter storm, we asked those who insist that anthropogenic global warming is a crisis to tell us what evidence would persuade you that it was not. 
or at least would persuade you that your theory is too simplistic. Because if the answer is none, you are not climate scientists, regardless of your formal training. And in that vein, we'd also like to ask them, what would persuade you that alternative energy wasn't working out? Not just under unexpected conditions in Texas, but in places like Germany, where winter's kind of an annual thing, or in Britain. Will you at least admit that by pushing up prices, they exacerbate inequality because they hit the poor hardest? There's lots more in the newsletter, as always, including another study that says plants like plant food. But we shouldn't be too sarcastic, because that study discovered that more CO2 helps trees mostly because they get more food, rather than what was what was expected, because they lose less water. You see, that's how you do climate science. You test theories against evidence, and you admit to surprises. In the newsletter, we also ask why it's okay for the EU to buy natural gas from Russia but not to produce its own, and okay for Australia to sell coal to China but not to burn its own. And we ridicule two professors who chose this moment to say the reason, quote, global warming is making power plants produce less electricity is that in hot weather, they can't cool themselves sufficiently to function at full power. Though we also note an engineer who says via Judith Curry's blog that finger-pointing over renewables versus fossil fuels in Texas misses the point that the Lone Star State's energy markets aren't structured properly. Specifically, they don't reward reliable power, regardless of the source. And this week, our Scientist Say feature, which looks at what scientists really say, is about the ability of computer models to predict the future. And instead of looking at what activists, journalists, and politicians say scientists say, we quote the IPC from 2001, quote, in climate research and modeling, we should recognize that we are dealing with a coupled, non-linear, chaotic system, and therefore that the long-term prediction of future climate states is not possible, end quote. And we also look at a recent survey of modelers that warns that their habit of tweaking their creations to fit known past data is actually highly controversial within the field, quote, Tuning is often seen as an unavoidable but dirty part of climate modeling, end quote. And it also warns that, quote, explaining that models are tuned may strengthen the arguments of those claiming to question the validity of climate change projections, end quote. Gosh, you think? But science must debate its methodology, even if it might prove embarrassing. Because the article warns that tuning, quote, can also risk masking fundamental problems and the need for model improvements, end quote. And again, if you don't like it, don't blame us. It's what scientists say. And if you're wondering how they could split basically 50-50 on the fundamentals of modeling when there's meant to be this 97% consensus on everything else, well, go back and look at our video on that statistically bogus claim, which we proudly note just passed the million view mark. And by the way, scientists also say, courtesy of CO2Science.org, that there's a lot of greening in coastal China, thanks to more CO2, and there's new evidence from northern Fennoscandia, and don't worry, we had to Google it too, that solar activity is linked to warming over the past 300 years. As we said, climate science is complicated. So, if you value our work, please subscribe to the newsletter and the YouTube channel if you haven't already, sign up on Rumble just in case, follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and become a contributor. For the Climate Discussion Nexus, I'm John Robson, and I'm a historian who does climate science.